What's up, guys? Welcome to the Polyamorous Swingers Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Kirsch, and I'm here with Paul Snyder. Hi, Stephen. This is Big Paul from the Manchester City Podcast. We're talking football right today. Uh, let's get in with it, shall we? Let's... So obviously we're still experimenting with our intro music. Um, we don't even know if this is going to be a lasting thing. Yeah, we're just toying around here, having some fun on GarageBand with some loops. Uh, we've so far heard from big anthem synth. Jazz hustle flute. And this is 70s electric piano. So uh, I'm Paul. I'm Steven. Let's have some fun. All right. All right, Paul. Thanks for coming to my living or bedroom, actually. With me, this is a rather intimate setting for our first uh, voyage into podcasting. Um, happy to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on your <laughs> floor. Um, just to, to paint the picture a little bit, we're sitting on Stephen's bedroom floor. His room's small, tidy, economical, clean. Uh, like my stride. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Running jokes. Oh, yeah, it's good. Um, and we are hoping to launch a secondary, no, tertiary podcast. We have more than three, I would imagine, at this point. Chavez mm. is a podcast machine. Um, just the purpose being, you know, a little bit less running focus of a podcast, uh, a little bit more masturbatory, and that we're just going to talk about stuff we want to. Um, and, you know, take advantage of our, uh, our our location in Flagstaff, Arizona, where we can probably get some pretty cool guests without much effort. We don't currently have a name for this podcast, so hopefully we'll uh, come up with it by the end of this episode. If the person that emailed me a... Uh a long rebuttal to my Jackson Brown riff on our music week. If, maybe you could write us another email suggesting a name for this podcast. Um, that would be very helpful. But yeah, like Paul said, we're just hoping to create a platform where um, we can just kind of talk about current topics and then um, also, you know, take advantage of the location where we're at. We're in Flagstaff. Plenty of professional runners and interesting people roll through here. Um, so yeah. Hopefully to hit the big time with this one, Paul. Oh, yeah. Um, so before we really get started, just want to commend you on the uh, interview you recorded and transcribed and posted in one day with Noah Drotti. That was Thank an you. impressive time, uh, impressive turnaround time Thank on the you. posting. It was, you know, I was actually, as I was talking to Noah on the phone, I was really wishing that we had recorded it to be a podcast because it's much easier you don't have to do the transcribing, which is a podcast. It's pretty much the exact same thing, and it's more interesting because you get to hear what people sound like. I agree. Uh, as you can understand, uh, our voices are both very, very annoying. Yeah, uh, terrible. So we're going to probably put this through some sort of uh, voice <laughs> voice masking thing where we both sound like we're in the witness protection program. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but my point being with that, like that's that's the sort of vibe I think we're going for, mm-hmm. where you didn't really talk about Noah uh, just strictly as a runner. You talked a little bit about his background in landscape management. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, you, you didn't just revert back to the, the tropes and the memes that running culture somehow uh, tends to fall back on, you Absolutely. know? Oh, Drotty's got a mustache and wears a hat. He must be uh, a scumbag who only drinks, uh, you know, PBR and hasn't had water in two years. Like, no, there's more to him than that. He's a complex individual, and I think that's what we hope to get out of this. Yeah, and we do these athletes, I think, a huge disservice by basically perpetuating these stereotypes. Um as non, you know, they're not hurtful stereotypes, really. But, you know, I think we give a chance to, um, for athletes to, you know, cr- create a new brand for themselves um, and kind of step out of the running culture. And let's see what you got when it comes to real life. Right. And speaking of real life, I think that's a great touch-off point Thank for you. our first uh, 
real topic. I want to I I really belabor this point. As an aside, I'd like a relationship for me just to throw you softballs. Yeah. I mean, I think most podcast uh, t- tandems, teams, have one person who sort of drives the conversation along, offers a quippy joke here or there, more or less <laughs> is just like structuring the paragraphs. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be that backbone. You're the one who provides the substance. <laughs> I'm just the low-grade boat engine <laughs> that kind of keeps us sputtering along. Uh, and so, sputter we will. Uh, and let's, let's sputter right into our topic here. Uh, yesterday on the Sidious Mag website and on Twitter, we announced that we have uh, decided to cough up some serious coin if any of our uh, readers uh, can, can break either four minutes of the mile for the men or 436 of the mile for the women while wearing uh, 100% denim <laughs> blue jeans. Uh and, you know, I wrote that kind of as a joke, but the uh, response was extremely favorable. So it's something we're clearly going to go ahead with. Uh, and as of present time, uh, we're looking at what, March 26th, AO3 Pacific time, uh, the prize purse is up to $1,150, which it's is... $799. i am not even going to mention okay. that. Uh, as well as a few more stipulation attached uh, incentives. For instance, if you were to do it at uh, the Schrader Mile, which is taking place... In early May in Austin, Texas, you would get uh, additional money from the meet director uh, for that. So, I mean, personally, I think this is the most Herculean task I've ever heard of. I can't imagine this even. I actually don't think this is possible. So I disagree <laughs> with you. Um, we we have a, a very very unscientific benchmark here. So Ryan Sterner, uh, Sidious Mag writer and just generally funny friend. guy friend, uh, he really doesn't run at all anymore. He runs maybe once every month. Uh, but about eight months ago, he stepped on a dirt track in Los Angeles and uh, limped his way to a 504 mile uh, in, in split shorts. Uh, today, he did the same thing in jeans, very <laughs> uh, very standard blue jeans, like the kind you buy in bulk at the, at the Kroger's, uh, and he ran 517. So that's what? How many seconds is that difference? 13. 13. Oh. Okay. So 13 seconds off a roughly five-minute mile. What would that be percentage-wise if you're talking four minutes? Um, I have no idea. I'm not even close to that smart. We can assume it's probably a conversion of, you know, if you want to run 359, you have to be in low 350 shape. Absolutely. I would think 349 shape. So here's a few things to think about. Ryan was wearing uh, two-year-old trainers, not spikes. Okay. It was a dirt track. It was windy. It was uh, a poor air quality day in Los Angeles. So I think in a actual race if someone's willing to take the take the leap of faith there and just put on a pair of wranglers it's possible yeah you, you just can't be the kind of person who gets in your own head about how you're feeling or what you're wearing if which is what we were talking about earlier right which is what runners do any too much of anyway so this gives you i think if someone were to wear wranglers and run even near a pr it would change their lives drastically because it would show that they are literally capable of doing anything at any time and, any, you know, wearing fucking Wranglers. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably one of the more commendable things a human being could do Ab- in the athletic realm. Absolutely. Uh, people like to put athletic performance on a pedestal. You know, industries exist around optimizing performance through shaving seconds off with, like, you know, a nice pair of shorts or, like, these spikes. Aerodynamic tape, Paul. Right, that exists. That exists. That, no, no, that's disgusting. been worn. Right, that's insane. So clearly, if you've ever worn aerodynamic tape, you're not the person who's going to be breaking four minutes in jeans. No. Uh, but I believe that there is a special kind of athlete out there, the kind who, uh, you know, doesn't really 
give in to feel that often. Mm-hmm. It's more just like, I'm here to compete. I feel like shit, but I'm just going to do my best anyway. I think it's doable. And bear in mind, we're giving you a lot of opportunities to make this happen. It doesn't have to be an, an official race. You can get eight of your buddies to pace you every 200 meters if you wanted to. Uh, just as long as there's video evidence. There's more information on our website, sidiousmag.com. I don't know what the backslash would be, but something about jeans. Something about jeans. You know, Drotty and I talked about a wet denim uh, mile. So dunking jeans in water and then slapping those on and trying to run fast. So I would, I would spot someone 30 seconds. <laughs> right, because then you're looking at probably 10 additional pounds of wet jean weight. And you don't even consider the water that's dripping into your shoes and you're just basically running with like <laughs> slosh shoes, which is terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the world needs to see a sub four in dry jeans before it's ready for a damp jean mile. Although I like where uh, dry. But damn it, I want to see this jean mile. I want to see someone attempt at least attempt it. You know what right. I mean? Right. I mean, ideally, I think we're getting uh, submissions from people all over the country mm-hmm. of their attempts. And, you know, there's no shame in falling short. Uh, a four a sub four minute mile is impressive, anyways. So, really, uh, I mean, we we like to put athletic performance, or in in, in the track world, we talk a lot about you know. Oh, they only ran 440. But if you put that in the scope of the entire world, 440 is very quick. You know, if you're running 440 in jeans, that's fast and it looks very funny. Yeah. I think the best thing we can hope for is at like random meets around the country, just you can almost bet that one person is going to show up in jeans. Right. It's kind of like performance art, which is honestly what I was hoping for. Just like the the weird spectacle of it all, the kind of absurd humor. Um, If it happens, if it doesn't happen, I mean, obviously we hope it. You know, of happens. course like i'm that's $200 i'm happy to yeah. to cough up if it doesn't or even if it does i'll probably still donate something to charity because that just seems like nice some, some, something we could catch flack for uh but there's but gotta be these are, these are struggling runners who are probably going to attempt it you know it's not gonna be the guy with a hundred grand nike contract who's no. like you know what like i don't think centro is gonna slip on a pair of levi's at this next diamond league oh. but <laughs> i hope there's some you know texas high school boy who's run 445 that's willing to do this just for fun Right. Show that you know, run four fifty in jeans, man. That's that's more impressive than running four forty four. Because it means you slipped past your coach. There was a, a meet official who wasn't paying attention. Like mm-hmm. you remember a few years back there was a kid in I wanna say Oregon or no Washington State who like lost a spot in the state mile because he dabbed across the finish line. <laughs> like that's that's a little much, but this is I mean, this is like the exact same thing, I guess, but I feel like it's a little bit less douchey. It's just silly. It definitely looking. is. Yeah. No, I th- I think it's it's noble and it's brave, Paul. Right, yeah. right. Um, and I, I think it's going to happen. I really do. God, I really hope so. So, anyways, should we segue to other things? Yeah, I believe we should do that. Um, do you want to talk about the movie we just watched, or is there anything else you want to talk about first? No, I don't want to uh, beat a dead horse here. I think we'll probably be discussing the Gene Mile off and on That's as the uh, outdoor season wears on. Um, we, we, we may have blown our load a little early by announcing it so soon. We're uh, too excited. We were excited, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the fact that we got it out there soon means people have more chances to attempt it. Uh, so I think that's a good thing. Can you actually, before we talk about this movie we just watched, could you maybe give us an update on um, training? Training. Oh, yeah. Um, so behind the facade of my uh, Ignatius Riley from uh, Confederacy of Dunces inspired persona that i use for this debajo dose thing i actually am training diligently like a high school boy uh i've been running consistent 30 no probably 25 to 40 mile weeks for about two months now with i don't know fairly regular two workout weeks Mm -hmm. thrown in there um i'd say it's going pretty well seems like it it seems like you are getting fit 
It seems like, are you starting to enjoy running a little bit more? I've never not enjoyed it. Um, the only time it's not fun has mm-hmm. been in the past when it's, I've been hurt. Yeah. Um, it's, this is an enjoyable thing to do because there's no real stress involved with it. If it goes well, uh, there's 12 people who read that column every week who are going to be <laughs> fairly happy for me and might send me some congratulatory tweets. If I fall short, that's much funnier. Yeah. Um, so there's no there's no wrong way to do this, really. It's um, a win-win. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, maybe... No, never mind. I was going to say, maybe I'll hop in a race sometime this other season. I don't see that happening. Well, you were you were talking about a ball, but... It's just... I have to drive seven or eight hours or whatever to get to a race. Well, unless we just got on a Phoenix. I wouldn't go by myself. If you're going to go... I would obviously go with you. And Jean... She would go in yeah. a couple of weeks, probably. All right, well, I'll consider it. Um, let's see. I think we can probably cram in a few more things to talk about before the, the movie review. That Maybe curry we, is doing a number on my stomach now, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we, we came from the... Uh, like the food's hot bar right. curry situation. Uh, which is uh, just not that good, I don't think. Oof. I mean, it... T- no eh. shots at the Flagstaff Whole Foods. It tasted okay, but it's really working its magic now. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the lessons we learned here is we should have just gotten one Little Caesars pizza yeah. and that would have been one eight the amount of money we spent on uh, this per pound bullshit. Although I haven't had meat in five days, so I, I was trying to stick to that. Gotcha. And I felt like Whole Foods was the safest place. It's a dangerous to streak to get into when it's you're running dumb. 130 miles. No, it's just dumb. Yeah. Like, I, there's no reason to. Um, we can talk about vegetarianism some more, but I think let's just... Uh, Let's, let's harp on a few current running events. Okay. So it seems like there's a few things that have transpired. I think... Uh, oh, well, World Cross Country was obviously today. Yeah. Friend and former roommate Scott Fobble placed 36 as the uh, the fifth American. Um, I think... What, what did the team finish? I have no idea. I haven't I seen any of fourth results. or fifth. Which was pretty, pretty impressive. But the most impressive thing was the guy from Uganda who, with... I think probably three or four K to go just took off. Like it was beautiful to watch. And then he went full zombie and he did that thing where he could, you know, he turned into a T-Rex, his arms get really close to his face. And he was literally like, to- like he was on his tippy toes, like trying to get across the course. And luckily for him, the um, course management was terrible and there were fans or maybe it was awesome. There were fans everywhere on the course and he had his fellow Ugandanese, Ugandans, yeah, fellow Ugandans pushing him across the course. At one point, a teammate of his shoved him forward. So he was just kind of crowd surfing the last. 2K. <laughs> he crowd surfed the last two k and finished like thirtieth. That's great. Yeah, he Hopefully, was. I hope his health is okay. He scored for. The, yeah, me too. He looked. Oh man, but it was that was actually very impressive. It was just you know I don't know how he got shorts on that morning with balls that big. But, oh man. Yeah, it was cool. But uh, yeah, no, you love to see someone uh, zombie across the line. Like, of course. And the thing is. Uh, very rarely does it actually work out in sort of like a Disney-style uh, feat of heroism like that. Uh, the you... only time it happened was within that triathlon with those brothers, the Brownleys. Did you see that video? Oh, uh, I was talking about several different triathlon videos because <laughs> it's, it's a very funny genre of <laughs> YouTube That's an video. incredible sport. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. There's this one video on YouTube. Uh, I don't know the actual name of it, but if you just Google The Crawl, it should be with the first or second result, and it's these two women at a major triathlon in, like, Hawaii or something, and one of them is, is doing the zombie as she approaches the finish line, and someone comes up on her about to pass her, and then she starts doing that as well, and so it, it takes them, you know, 45 seconds to a minute to, you know, go That's just hard to 20 watch, feet, man. yeah, but, like, it is hard to watch, but the announcing is very funny, it's like, the eyes see through a gauzy daze of delirium, <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's a little melodramatic, but, um... 
but yeah, good good for the Ugandan runner to yeah. uh, allow his country to quite literally propel him forward. Yes, he did. He did. He, oh, um, other running events, though. I mean, I Stanford's this weekend. I don't know much. I know about nothing that. about that. I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but I think it's uh, it's much cooler to run a fast time close to where you go to school rather than flying across the country to uh, go to a big hyped up meet. Um, I ran my five KPR just south of Washington D.C. And then they took us out to Mount Sac a couple of weeks later, and I shit the bed. Yeah. It's much harder to run further away from where you are. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's a big production. You wind up having to travel. You have to, I don't know, look up if peanut butter is a solid or considered a liquid or a gel. Um, yeah, same, similar story here. I flew to Stanford during my sophomore year. ran a, a PR at the time in a, in a race where I actually beat uh, this year's Olympic marathon eighth-place finisher, Callum Hawkins. Yes, I mean, <clears throat> and I lost to Eric Jenkins in the third heat of the Stanford 5K. Two weeks later in Princeton, New Jersey, just down the road from where I went to college in New York City, PR again. So there was no point to the Stanford no. trip at all except to have a transitive property win that it didn't even manifest until I had retired from competitive. But running. now you win. That's an amazing transitive property. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Uh, but, yeah, basically, I think, I don't know, if, if there was some sort of grassroots movement of coaches in, you know, various quadrants and you have to make it into smaller segments than that of the country you just set up a fast race and invite all the local schools like i, I just feel bad for all those kids you know in places that it's literally impossible to get desirable track conditions to run fast like texas in yeah. spring summer like you know i don't know you can't run a fast 10k but you can you can get a five you in. turn out a five yeah people will qualify for the regional meet in the 10k and texas relays occasionally yeah it's just it's just hard uh but yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that as the as the season draws on. We really tonight. need to flesh that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think we've we've blathered on enough about stuff we don't really know much about. Let's go ahead and get to something that we just watched and hasn't slipped through our brains yet. Running Man, a 1987 film featuring starring, I should say, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. Right. Which, as Paul was quick to point out, are we're both at some point governors of very liberal states. Which is strange if you watch this movie. Right. I think it basically means that the entire uh, Republican constituencies of both states turned out in mass to vote <laughs> along party lines, and a good percentage of uh, registered Democrats voted out of sheer comedy, um, which is, I would assume, to a certain extent, how we wound up with our current president. I think that's um, exactly... Well, and again, this movie is a very accurate depiction of 2017. Oh, yeah. Um, so a little backstory here. We were trying to figure out, uh, before we, you know, we kind of did this together last minute, so we didn't have any uh, guests lined up, how we can kill some time on the pod here, and decided, uh, you know, analyzing and reviewing a film is, is one way to go about that. Um, so without much further ado, let's go ahead and uh, get down to it. It's time to start running! To it. As, as you were saying... 1987 film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Set in 2017. In Los Angeles. Uh, I don't think we could have picked a more perfect film. No, it was... they. Yeah, I don't know. I'll let you kick things off. Let's do a quick uh, plot review that we can analyze it from a current events and political standpoint. Okay, so plot review. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It starts out... That, that, that was the best part. It literally <laughs> starts out like in mid-action. Yeah, so they did the Star Wars thing where only in Star Wars it doesn't actually matter, like the, the large text cascading down the screen. In Star Wars, they could have cut that and the plot would have been untouched. This movie depended entirely upon that. It, was, it opened up with some uh, very boxy, computerized-looking font. I would liken it to Courier New. Uh, and it just kind of said, like, 
uh, in 2017, Americans only watch television and listen to television. And that's how they do everything. And things have gone to complete shit. Uh, probably something about communism because this is during Reagan's presidency and we hated Russia still. And I guess we do again now because Definitely. people are... Well, some people like... Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, there's this, this kind of a very heavy-handed setup about... Uh, how the world was uh, in a state of disrepair. Uh, also, we picked this movie because we, we wanted to keep things topical by searching for a movie about running. We saw the title, we read the one-sentence synopsis on Google, and we thought it would be a little bit more running-centric than it was. Although, it, in the end, there was certainly some running that did happen. But right. I digress. Anyways, so Arnold Schwarzenegger's on. He is flying this helicopter. What, that, what's, what's his name in this movie, Steven? Um Ben Richards. And he has a thick, obviously, he has a thick German accent. All I've seen is a bunch of low foreheads who think they can change the world with dreams and talk. It's too late for that. If you're not ready to act, give me a break and shut up. And they never discuss why this man has this accent, where he, you know, which Bavarian colony he's from. It's very strange. I think we're meant to think that he just was born in a Los Angeles suburb somehow has a, a German accent and uh, is just, he's just, you know, he's a patriot. But anyways, he's flying this helicopter and he is tasked with shooting down innocent women, children, and men that are participating in a nonviolent food riot outside Bakersfield. And the fictional town of Bakersfield, the fiction, California. Yeah, as we all know, that doesn't actually exist. And, you know, luckily Ben Richards... Um, basically gives a fu to his command and says he's not going to do it. He gets overthrown by the other. He almost gets literally thrown off the helicopter. Yeah. He's dangling by a foot. Yeah, and then he gets hit in the head with a rifle butt and wakes up in a military prison. Um, <laughs> where it's very strange because we, when we meet him again, he's once again in the middle of action. They're planning how to escape the military prison, which in fact they do. Uh, through the help of the one character whose name I don't recall, but who is Weiss. Weiss, yeah. who he's the smart guy. You can tell because he's wearing, he's glasses. the only character wearing wire rain glasses. Yeah. And he's like, very, like everyone else is like burly and muscular. And he's like this skinny, unathletic guy. It's, right. it's so good. Um, um, so they, then they escape. They escape through some sort of stage uh, prison riot. Um, and they all are just, they go their separate ways. We, we follow Arnold who, who uh, is now traipsing through the, uh, a uh, fictional slums. town of Los Angeles. Well, it's not. It's actually the. It's the Blade Runner of Los Angeles. It's literally the exact same set. The hell with you. It is. Here, I saw Harrison Ford in the background. Uh, okay, that's, yeah. that's a pretty economical yeah. choice on the filmmaker's part. Uh, but yeah, he just kind of is in this shanty town where there's a lot of uh, vice, a lot of uh, you know scum, uh, a lot of television. Uh, some guy jokingly asked him would you like to buy some contraband goods welcome welcomes him into a shack i think his words were would you like to buy a hot stereo that was right okay. <laughs> same thing uh and so he goes inside and this bearded uh einstein looking guy removes his dog collar mm. uh that i guess is how he's being tracked yeah and then he just proceeds to infiltrate oh he hops on like a i don't know they made it seem like he was trying to flee the united states to go to mexico yeah. he just doesn't do that and somehow winds up in like a big TV studio building. No, no. He goes to his brother's apartment. But his brother's moved out. I know, but he, that's where he meets um, Miranda. No, Amanda. it wasn't Miranda or Amanda. It was Amber. Amber. That's where he meets Amber. And for some reason... Oh, because you... Okay, so this is what it is. 
Sorry, this is getting way too detailed. We should probably just gloss over all yeah, this. Yeah, let's gloss. Okay. Anyways, he ends up in a big TV studio on the show Running Man, which is by far and away the biggest reality TV show right. in all of the land. And we learned about this not through anything demonstrably true on screen, but through the, the font at the beginning that says <laughs> Running Man is the most popular television show in the world that pits convicted criminals against, you know, sort of government-sanctioned bounty hunters in a controlled set. Uh, it's very much Hunger Games-esque. I don't know if you've I have seen or read This that. is the first uh, the first episode of Hunger Games I've ever watched. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, then we see Arnold and the, the guy with the glasses and their other friend, and eventually somehow Amber gets implicated in this whole mess, taking down uh, these Dog the Bounty Hunter-style uh, <laughs> big beefcake people. Each of them? So there was... Okay, let's go through them. There was um, Sub-Zero, who was this giant, like, sumo wrestler-esque man who only had on ice... He had, like... He was dressed as, like, a hockey goalie right. and ice skates. And His hockey like, stick was, like, a serrated yeah, blade. Yeah, exactly. And so... Okay, so that his fatal flaw was he literally had to be on ice to be dangerous. <laughs> the next guy was buzz oh buzzsaw and dynamo right who each had their own fatal flaws that we don't need to get into but they both died and then there was flamethrower the last one who obviously that went against him in a big way right and so it's worth noting uh arnold uh thwarted each of these guys and then delivered a pretty solid one-liner uh that was three out of four times pretty understandably relevant to the <laughs> villain except um, in sub-zero's case where he said sub-zero you are now plain zero which, for the life of me, I don't know what that means. No, I don't either. But um, naturally, he escapes. Um, and over the course of the broadcast of that episode of The Running Man, uh, popular opinion on Ben Richards changes drastically. Oh. Because we're, we're shown in the initial fa- uh, stages of the show that uh, pro- it was actually propaganda. They, they had cut the video of the uh, Bakersfield massacre to, to make it seem as though Arnold was like, I'm just going to shoot down these women and children because fuck them, they don't need food. Um, when in reality, that's not what happened at all. Uh, and by the end, they had somehow hacked into uh, like the government TV station antenna and played the unadulterated version of the film. And it's worth noting that this whole scheme implicated the the like producer, director, MC of the show, who I thought resembled a mix of tony bennett and bill murray almost to a t oh wow yeah you're right I would he say dressed so. like looked a lot like i don't know man it just it really that's all i could think of the whole time because bill murray okay he doesn't play like evil people ever but he this guy seemed to have he had a little bill, bill a little murray smarmy, yeah smarminess to him. a lot of tony bennett though yeah, yeah yeah a lot of tony bennett definitely um so with this film we uh we didn't really learn much about running but we think we learned a lot about ourselves mm-hmm. and uh, modernity. And the and, way history repeats itself. Right. Um, everything from the aesthetics that uh, the filmmakers anticipated like becoming popular in present time, um, they, they really did something kind of unusual uh, in terms of like futuristic movies, which is they didn't even attempt to predict <laughs> how things would look in 20 or 30 years. No, they kept everything... Pretty much the right. Same. We're talking like lycra body suits. The music was not in any way different than what was popular in nineteen eighty. The jazzercise videos are all the same. Um, big hair. Uh, it, yeah, it was really just Arnold Schwarzenegger is still young. It was really strange. Right. <laughs> he had no. Uh, he, had no he did not hint at all at his gubernatorial ambitions. No, not at all. Very strange. But uh, but yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about how 
so many of the things we saw on screen have actually taken place. I mean, as, as depressing as it is to talk about our current state of affairs, um, I think the, the biggest takeaway from here was obviously the, uh, the fake news mm. that, that we saw proliferated on that movie, and then we still see day-to-day um, you know, just shoved down our throat. Not necessarily, not necessarily fake news, but just how there is a certain level of propaganda in pretty much everything we see. Oh, yeah. And it was very evident in that movie. Definitely. So I think that was a pretty deft point that they made back in 87 um, that is definitely coming full circle. Um, I also think uh, the really the, the differences between the, the 1% and the 99% mm. were made pretty clear. Oh, uh, huge. If you were not uh, a Richie, if you were not, you know, not, not Richie as in Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, but as someone who has a lot of money, you were wearing a tuxedo and you're watching the TV program from the comfort of your uh, cocktail bar or ether lounge. And <laughs> if you were a poor person, you were covered in dirt, you were wearing some sort of uh, like bowler derby or pork pie cap. And you were gambling. You were gambling outdoors <laughs> yeah. with these sort of uh, like Che Guevara looking people uh, sort of leading the whole charade. No, no. The people leading it were the Zoot Suit guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Zoot Suit Riot by the uh, Cherry Poppin' Daddies. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> um, they really, you know, they brought uh, they brought the zoot suit, or they brought just like zoot style back into the mainstream for about six months there. Which was strange. They're from Eugene, Oregon, and I think that allows us to sort of segue on out of this movie. I think <laughs> Oops, I'm done with it. Eugene, Oregon, guys. Uh, Tracktown, USA. Um, oh, God. A Rob Connor quote, famous, you know, my coach from Portland was, uh, we were driving down there one time and the assistant coach said, RC, why are you, like, what's wrong? Why are you so mad? And RC just gave him this blank stare. He said, because I'm in fucking Eugene. <laughs> and that's pretty much summed up my feelings on Eugene since then. But uh, this is a, a world championship year, though, right? I believe so. And is it taking place in Eugene? Uh, no, it's in London. No, not the world championships, the USA. Thing. Oh, no, it's those are in Sacramento. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, what the hell's going on in Eugene this year? Anything? <sighs> Allergies. Um, I'm sure... Something, I don't know. The Ducks are playing basketball at an exceedingly high rate, it seems like. Hmm. Um, yeah. There's that Shakespeare Festival in the summer. That'll happen, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> so, that's, not, so that's enough. Can we not? Like, I don't want to talk about Eugene. Well, I was just trying to think of, like, that's another example of a place that seems to have a lot of uh, centralized power in the world of uh, track and field. Yeah. Um, and the, that's understandable because of nepotism and stuff. Yeah. But it'd just be cool to see, you know... Uh, Races taking place in like Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eh, maybe not Omaha. Lincoln is nicer. Well, is that track series doing anything? Will that move around, or will that always be there? I probably should research this ahead of time. Yeah. But uh, maybe that people that write us emails could write us an email about this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that was a cool concept. I hope they continue uh, continue with it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, but were the, all the meets in Eugene though? There's only one meet. It was in Eugene, but everyone like represented like a different city. So well, this year was the plan then to have them have meets in different cities. Oh, Paul, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully that's the case. If not, uh, there's always the Blue Jean Mile, which is the truly democratic form of distance <laughs> running, and that you can do it wherever, uh, whenever. Uh, the only stipulation is that you have to be wearing jeans. Paul, I think it's been good. I think it's been all right. I think I think we can uh, we have to go back in and edit some uh, movie clips. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a little music and, oh, yeah. and change our voices. So I work tomorrow. Do you think you could do that? Uh, I don't know how to do it. But I can try. Uh, we could do it together. Okay. All right. Um, well, um, I think we should take this opportunity to just go ahead and sign off. 
Um, it's been a good maiden voyage, and I look forward to years of this with you. That's uh, that's it for this episode of uh, Ditchpatch. No, never mind. The, the unnamed podcast. Dispatches from 7,000 feet? <laughs> no, that's bad. not good. No. Not good. All right, we'll work on that. All right, guys. We'll, uh, we'll Thanks for listening. Bye.